we do want to welcome all of you tonight in the Lord's name. We're especially glad to see visitors amongst us, and we appreciate you making the effort and coming out this evening. And uh, we're going to ask at this stage, um, Brother Wilford and I think other members of the family are going to come and minister to us in song. Thank you. but we can trust him for leading us day by day. And this one is just, he leadeth me, oh blessed thought. Amen. 
do thank uh, Wilford and Lawrence for ministering to us, and a little later, uh, Brother Lawrence will bring a solo himself. Those are two lovely pieces, and we do appreciate them very much. Brother Lawrence, thank you. Um, last Sunday morning, the Reverend McLaughlin, <clears throat> in his message, was speaking about tears and that tears was a language in heaven, it was a language of God. Uh, this wee piece immediately came to mind, uh, but last Sunday evening uh, we were singing down in the Tyndale, and the Reverend Foster was speaking, and he alluded back to uh, 55 years ago, whenever he was saved in the old Ravenhill Church on the Ravenhill Road, and he talked those days that in the service come near the end of the service that everybody was in tears and there was tears of conviction, tears of uh, regeneration and tears of joy and there again this wee piece came to mind and this morning I was mentioning it to Mark, I added no music for it and Mark has got this wee track and uh, well I'm going to try and sing it here to you and it's a bit of a Oh, 
Thank you. Um, we are delighted, as I've said, to have Dr. Barnes here. And just before he comes, I should have mentioned I also have a pledge of £600 for that minibus appeal, and I'd have to go and gather it up. Um, the Bible says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And of course, every testimony is personal. But every testimony has to be proclaimed, and the Lord's servant has come tonight to, to proclaim that message, what the Lord has done in his life. And also, every testimony has to be practical because I believe that it has to be seen and there's no doubt the Lord's servant has borne that testimony for the Lord for many many years a faithful ministry in Hillsborough and now he's retired and of course he's still doing a sterling work for the Lord in a variety of places the Lord bless you thank you I shall read together please just a few verses from the gospel of John chapter 3 John's gospel chapter 3 and verse 14. John chapter 3 and the verse 14. And the Lord Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking to Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. And the Lord said in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And the reading of verse 18, him know God will bless the reading of his own word to all of our hearts. Now, first of all, could I say a word of thanks to your minister for the opportunity of coming along and sharing a word of testimony tonight, how I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my own and personal Savior. When I arrived into the prayer meeting and afterwards he closed the prayer meeting, he said to me, you know, he says, everybody's gone. He says, they're all here, there, and yonder, back to university and different things have happened and there's hardly anybody here. And I thought he was going to turn out the lights and say, we'll all go home. But I'm glad that didn't happen. 
and I really enjoyed the ministry and song tonight and I want to thank them very sincerely. It was a blessing uh, to my heart. I know where Lauren's got his voice from and I know as well now where he got his good looks from and it's a good combination to have but uh, I hope it never happens that he asked Andrew and I to sing uh, for that would be an awful disaster. But it's good to be here tonight and be able to share with you what great things the Lord has done for my soul. I was born and bred in the city of Belfast, uh, not far from the Woodstock Road, a little place called Roslyn Street, almost facing the Emmanuel Mission in Roslyn Street. And the missioner there was Pastor John Proctor. Now, being brought up in Belfast, it was the shipyard area, East Belfast. Mr. Baxter always says the wise men came from the east. I don't know about that, but anyway, it was a privilege and the providence of God for me to be born in that part of the city. We were a large family. There was eight boys and there was one girl. Five of them have gone home to be with the Lord. But being brought up in a big family, uh, it was good, and it was good to have such a large family and brothers. And the only difficulty was that uh, we had only one sister, and she was the eldest, and then there was eight boys. And, you know, in those days, you wore the hand-me-downs, didn't you? And you, what somebody else wore was a bit older, was passed on to you, and you had to wear it. I never liked wearing my sister's dresses. They never seemed to fit. And, uh, but however, I'm only jesting, of course. But it was hard, it was difficult, there wasn't much money. And as I said, it was a large family and in many ways, there was many hardships. But the Lord was good and even though we were a large family and we lived in a little kitchen house, it was a gable house. And on the side of it, it said, no surrender, no Pope here. And there wouldn't have been even room for his holiness. Uh, there was that many of us there in the house. But, you know, just like anybody else, we went on to primary school, then secondary school, and eventually out into the wide world. And you left school in those days at 14 years of age. Wasn't that great? Somebody said sticking out over there. And uh, it was a great age to leave school at 14. I look at children today at 14, and I wonder how we ever really coped in those days. And went to work in a factory, and then eventually we moved on to uh, go to work as an apprentice baker in the UCBS, United Cooperative Bakery Society. Now, that almost sounds like a degree from Queen's University. But um, we went there, and I must say that I enjoyed my apprenticeship and working there as a baker. But in the providence of God, I had one great blessing, and that was that not far from our house, number 13, just across the way, was the Emmanuel Mission Hall. And my mother very faithfully sent us out uh, to the Emmanuel Mission Hall as children, and we went to the Sunday school and then to the children's meetings. And I had many happy memories of the children's meetings in the Sunday school. And best of all, we had good Sunday school teachers who taught us the word of God and to memorize the scriptures. 
And I could remember not only that, but also with times when it just wasn't so funny and it had an old roof on it and we used to wait till the meeting was on and throw stones up and it come rattling down and then somebody would come flying out of the door down the steps and after us down the entry facing us and I remember getting caught with a scruffling act and a fellow called Jim Clark had me in a face-like grip and he marched me. I don't even think my feet touched the ground and he grabbed me and he pushed me up right into the Emmanuel Mission where Pastor Proctor was standing. And boy, he was fit to be tied. And he looked at me and he said, I have a good mind to call the police on you. I'm going to tell your mother and father about your behavior. It's ridiculous the way you've behaved. And boy, I got a queer dressing down. But something else stands out in that mission hall. I don't know about you, but as a wee boy, if I saw anything in the street, no matter what it was, I would have picked it up. Whether it was a nail, piece of cord, or anything, I would have picked it up. And uh, this day I was out, and I picked up a wee small uh, thing that looked like a coin, but it's what we would call a washer, a piece of metal with a flat and a hole in the middle of it, and it would be used by mechanics and engineers and people involved in engineering work. And I put it in my pocket and I forgot all about it. And then Tuesday night was the children's meeting, we raced off to the children's meeting, and there was a whole squad of us, and it was a big children's meeting, a hall like this, packed with children. And uh, I got into the children meet, children's meeting, and the man who led it was Mr. John Phillips, godly wee man, lovely brother in the Lord. But he had a whistle in his voice, and when he spoke, he always kind of whistled. I don't know whether it was a false teeth or what, but he would say, Sit up in your seats, boys and girls. And he would whistle through uh, the meeting. And I was always fascinated with the wee man and the whistle in his voice. And he said, now, boys and girls, we're going to lift the offering. And, you know, I remembered the washer. I put my hand in my pocket, got the washer. When the basket was put around, I dropped it into the basket. And I forgot all about it. It went clean out of my head. And then the next week, back to the children's meeting again, and it came to the offering. And the wee man with the whistle in his voice brought out the washer and he held it up. And he said, now, boys and girls, some boy put that in the offering basket last week. And God saw him. The Lord knows who it was. Well, you know, I thought it was Kentucky Fried Chicken. I thought the lightning was just going to come in and strike me stone dead. And I want to reassure you that I've never put a washer in the offering ever since. But uh, I tell you that for a purpose because God moves in wonderful ways as miracles to perform. And uh, remember leaving, as I say, became an apprentice baker. Uh, only time with plenty of dough in my life. And I served my time, and as I said, I was happy. And they used to say in the coal, the money's not good, but the crack's powerful. And from when you went in in the morning till you left, well, you never knew what was going to happen next. But you know, as a teenager, I started to think about the world. What was I missing? And I began to think about the world and what it had to offer. And my brother, Alec, the oldest boy, and he was going out into the world as well, and 
uh, going to dances and things. And I would went along one night with him to a dance. And before that, we went to a pub on the corner of Sandown Road. And then we were going down the wee dance hall. It's no longer there. But it was called the Brookborough Hall, not far from the Sandown Free Church. And I remember going into the pub and sitting there. And I, I never was involved in drink or anything like that heavily or smoking. It was more in the sport. And uh, I remember sitting there in the pub and they were drinking, or laughing and cracking, getting ready to go down to the dance. And we were out for a bit of a hoolie and a carry-on. And uh, I remember sitting there and I was drinking out of the glass and I came to the last drop in the glass and I drank it and I looked into the glass and it was just as if the Lord said, that's just your life. It's empty. It's empty. And I felt a void and an emptiness in my life. And I went to the dance hall and I was sitting there and the boys were carrying on and so on. And I remember the word of God coming back to me that we've been taught in Sunday school, especially John chapter 14. And I heard the Lord said, If I go, I will prepare a place for you. And if I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And I believe that Jesus not only came and died, but according to his word, that he was coming again. And sitting in the dance hall, I said, Lord, don't come tonight. Don't, please don't come tonight. This would be an awful place for Jesus to come and me not saved. But I, I didn't get saved and I just continued on in my way. And then in the year 1959, something uh, unusual took place in Ulster. It was the 100th anniversary of the 1859 revival. And you remember Professor Gibson refers to it as the year of grace. And there was two things happened in that year. One was Charles Darn released his book, The Origin of Species, that became the Bible of the evolutionists, and that we all evolved from monkeys into manhole, tadpoles, and all the rest of it, and right through the whole system, and eventually the end product was man. And the churches were in a tizzy. They didn't know how to answer it. Uh, they hadn't a clue. They were running about, uh, many of them like ministers, like headless chickens. How are we going to answer Charles Darwin? But you know, the promise of God's word is this. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And exactly the same year when that book was released, God poured out his Spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord came in and lifted up a standard. And in Ulster alone, it was estimated that over 100,000 souls had come to know the Savior. God did a mighty work of grace that transformed the whole of Ulster and laid the foundation uh, for the Presbyterian Church, especially in years to come in missionaries and ministries and uh, ministers and Christian workers. Now, what happened that year was simply this, that they were having special anniversary meetings throughout Ulster, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, J. Edwin Orr, 
many other famous names were invited to come and to preach and they were holding these centenary meetings, the 100th anniversary of the 1859 revival. There was also a little Jewish evangelist by the name of Dr. Apple Heyman. He had been a lawyer, but he was a converted Jew and a very, very able author and preacher. And he came over to Ulster and he came at the invitation of the late Ernie Allen and a few others and were holding meetings. And he brought with him a converted, young converted dance band leader by the name of Johnny Bassanio. And um, he came over and unexpectedly there was a fallout between Appleman and Johnny Bassanio, the young dance band leader, and they parted company. And the result was at the last minute, the Emmanuel mission was asked, could they have Johnny Bassanio, the young converted trumpet player and dance band leader, to do a gospel mission? And they accepted. And it was the greatest move of the Spirit of God in our district that has ever been witnessed. The hall was packed completely every night. People were queuing up to get in. Every seat was occupied. It was standing room only, and God was working in a mighty way. My sister, Winnie, who was saved and attended the Emmanuel Mission, unknown to me, she had been praying for me and her brothers for the coming to get saved. And I had no intention whatsoever of getting saved or being caught dead in the Emmanuel Mission. That was the last place I intended to be. And so that night I went across the street and there was another fellow by the name Jim Barnes, the same surname as myself, and I knocked the door and I said, Mrs. Barnes, is Jim in? Uh, she says, no, he's, he's already gone out. And I was wanting to go to the Willowfield Pitcher House uh, on the Woodstock Road. It was the old Unionist headquarters then, and uh, I wanted to go to the Pitcher House. And I was a great lover of John Wayne. I believed that John Wayne and my father won the war between them, according to him anyway. But anyway, I wanted to go and go to the picture house. And I didn't like the idea of going myself. And I said, no, I'll just leave it to some other time. And then I remembered the mission. And I said to myself, there's time to slip in to the mission and to hear this American dance band leader and trumpet player that everybody is talking about. There was a real buzz in the area at what was taking place in the Emmanuel. And so I made up my mind, last in, first out, and I slipped in my jeans and my jacket, and I sat in the back seat. There was a seat there, and I said to myself, now, I'll hear this, what this fellow has to say, and then I'll be first out. Nobody will know that I've even been there. And uh, so I sat there, and I listened to the message of the gospel. He was a terrific trumpet player. And believe it or not, my father's side of the family were all musicians. They were in the Salvation Army, and uh, great bandsmen, drummers, uh, cornet players, you name the different instruments. My family on that side was very musical. Matter of fact, my father used to hide his cornet up in the wardrobe, and he hid it in there. We weren't allowed to touch it, but when we got him out to work, we would get it out, put the mouthpiece on, and we would blow it for all we're worth. 
I think I did brain damage then. That's what happened. I ended up in the free church. But anyway, as I was uh, going, sitting there in the meeting, more than the music, it was a message that spoke to my heart. And he preached in such a way that the cross became personal. Not only did God so love the world, but that God loved me. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. And that night I was brought face to face with Christ on the cross work. As I was sitting there, God was dealing with my heart. And they began to sing that hymn, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. And the biggest fight or battle or conflict that I ever had in my life was waging in my heart, whether to get saved or not. And the evangelist said, I want you to do something. Don't be ashamed to confess your need of Christ. He said, I want you to walk the aisle, come to the front, and somebody will counsel you. And on the third verse of that hymn or so, as they were singing, O Lamb of God, I come. Spirit of God spoke to my heart. And I realized this could be my first and my last opportunity that Jesus was passing by and I needed to get saved that night. And that night I went forward. And you'll never believe this. Pastor Proctor said to the wee man with a whistle in his voice, he said, would you deal with Stanley? And that wee man who had taught us in Sunday school, the children's meeting, took me over to the side of an old form that we sat on in Sunday school days. And he opened up John 3 and 16, and it was so simple. Salvation is not complicated. We make it complicated. That is, preachers, we make it the most complicated thing on the earth. But really, salvation is very simple. And he read the words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and then he said to me that if Stanley Barnes would believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, son, do you see that word, whosoever? That includes you. And you put your name in there, and you accept Christ as your Savior. And there, just kneeling at the side of the form, I added my name in. To the word whosoever, and I called upon the name of the Lord to save me. And you know, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You find that statement three times in the Bible. God doesn't want you to miss the simplicity of salvation. If you call, if you do your part, He'll do His part. And your part is you call. And his part is that he'll save you and answer to your cry. And that night I was saved, born again of the Spirit of God. Now, I went back into work, and it was at that stage, it was a teddy boy time. Do you remember the fellas with drain-pipe trousers? I think they had water in the air or something. But anyway, the drain-pipe trousers and the long jackets and the Tony Curtis haircuts. I tell you, we were some style, brother. We were some style. And uh, I had to go back into work and face all these fellas. And every day at break time, I headed down to the card school and out came the cards. And to this day, 
You know, I could still play poker. If you don't hang about it, you don't want to know anything about it. But I learned to play poker and so on. And uh, instead of going back to the card school, I went to my locker, took my Bible into work, opened up my Bible, sitting there at my locker, and started to read the scriptures. And that's important that you read God's word. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And I started to read the word of God. And these big fellas came over to me and they were good fellas, they were good mates to have. And they would say to me, here you become good living, boy. I will give you a week and you'll be back. And then they give me a fortnight and then they give me, they give me a month. And then thank God they had to give me up. Do you know why? God gave me eternal life. I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. And that night I received eternal life when I came to know Christ as my Savior. And my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be erased, because it's written in the incorruptible blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that night I was saved and from that moment on, I've been kept by the power of God on the salvation. You know, I used to think I couldn't get saved because I couldn't keep it. And maybe you're like that tonight. The good news is this, you don't have to keep it. You don't have to keep it. It's the Lord keeps you. It's not the sheep that keeps the shepherd. It's the shepherd that keeps the sheep. And there was difficulties, there were problems. And then... Put a long story short, and we'll finish in a moment or two. I realized afresh that there's only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Jesus will last. An actor was asked on one occasion why he lived such a wild, reckless lifestyle. And he said this, and I never forgot it. He said, life is not a rehearsal. You only get one life. Life is not a rehearsal. You only get one life. And God impressed that upon my heart. And I realized that the Lord was speaking to me about full-time service. And one Sunday morning, Dr. Paisley was preaching in the old Ravenhill Church. And he spoke in the words the children of Ephraim being armed and carrying the bow turned back in the day of battle. And he looked over and he said, young man, will God ride across your life? Have you turned back in the day of battle? Or will you put your all in the altar and go through with God? And that morning I put my all as best as I could in the altar. And I said to the Lord, King of my life, I crown thee now. And then the Lord called us to go into Bible school. And you'll not believe this. I applied. And if anybody ever prayed that it wouldn't be accepted, it was me. I knew the Lord wanted me to do it, but I didn't really want to do it. And I went through the motion praying, well, when they read I have no qualifications and I left school at 14, they'll not even accept me, no problem. But they did accept me and there was a problem. Not because I wasn't willing to go, but I felt inadequate. As a boy of 11, I was involved in an accident and a fella threw a brick and I didn't get out of the way. Quick enough, it caught me in the hip. Ended up in hospital for several months. Ended up in a wheelchair. 
uh, for five or six months and then a steel splint and a special boot and used to limp about with a steel splint. And all those days, 11 years of age, I missed school for almost two years. And so I left school at 14, so I didn't have much of an education. And I said, Lord, I don't have any education. I don't have any ability. Do you know what the Lord taught me? Listen, young person, God's calling you tonight. Obey God's call. Go through with God. It's not your ability that counts. It's your availability. And do you remember what God said to Moses? What is that in thine hand? And he said, it's a rod, just an ordinary stick, a shepherd's rod. And God took it up and he used it mightily. What is that in thine hand, David? Five smooth stones from out of the brook. And God took one of those stones and slew Goliath. So the wee lad with the loaves and the fishes, what is that in thine hand? Five barley loaves and two small fishes. And yet the Lord multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And the Lord performed a wonderful miracle. And I look back over those years, since 1959, when I got saved, and then that Sunday morning when I got converted, up to this present time. And you'll not believe this. Do you know what age I am? 88, not at all, brother. You need to go to Specsavers. 77, 77. And I look back and I can say, all the way the Lord hath led me. And God has been faithful. And I want to say this just in closing. I thank God for his hand of protection and preservation on my life. You see where I lived in the area where we came from in East Belfast, it was a red-hot loyalist, rotten with paramilitaries, UDA, UVF, you mention it. And boys that I knew ended up getting shot dead or life imprisonment or their lives destroyed during the troubles. And what John Bradford said, remember the old preacher and he used to follow the horse and cart when they were taking a prisoner out for to be hung in public execution. John Bradford used to say, there go I, but for the grace of God. And I can only say with Paul tonight, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And even in these closing years, I want to gather up the fragments that remain. And my cry still is, let me burn out for God. Oh, young person, older person tonight, I trust that God will speak to your heart and that tonight you'll do what I did in response to the words, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lama of God, I come. And old John Bunyan the Puritan used to finish his sermons by saying, Come, come, come. And a thousand welcomes to Jesus. Thank God there's a thousand welcomes for you tonight. In this service of you but come and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're going to hand back over again to Reverend McLaughlin. You'll notice that he was very careful. And I noticed this. To take that 5,000 with him. 
didn't leave it. Might have thought that was a wee love gift for me. I could have, could have, you know, I could have slipped it into the Bible. He wouldn't have noticed, sure he wouldn't. He was guarding it like two bee specials. Amen. Amen. Well, we do thank uh, Dr. Barnes for coming and sharing that personal word of testimony. It's great to have a testimony, great to be saved. And as he has said in closing tonight, come, a thousand welcomes await you. And here's the question, have you come to Christ? Amen. Are you saved tonight? Have you got that clear, plain testimony to the saving and keeping power of Christ? And if, if you are saved, then have you handed your life over to the Lord Jesus? And are you willing and available to serve him in whatever area or wherever he asks you to go or to do?